Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to talk about something that is really, really helpful to have during your runs. And that is number one, electrolytes. And number two is caffeine. Um, So caffeine is really, really beneficial when it comes to improving your performance, improving your mental clarity, improving so many things when it comes to going out for a run. And then electrolytes are pretty self-explanatory. They help to keep you hydrated. They help to keep your muscles from cramping. They're just overall inessential when it comes to ultra running. Now, when I heard about the company that we're um, talking to the CEO and founder today, Long Run Coffee, I went nuts because it is electrolyte-infused coffee. Like, how cool is that? Like, I love coffee and I love not being dehydrated. So it's a perfect match in heaven for endurance athletes. That long run coffee is there. So they create electrolyte infused coffee specifically designed for athletes to help you achieve your ideal running performance and overall well-being in a sustainable and enjoyable way without sacrificing taste or wasting time. I mean, how awesome does that sound? Um, I was able to try out this coffee. I actually did a review for it on the prior episode. So feel free to tune into that episode if you want to learn a little bit more about my adventures into long run coffee and what I thought about it, but I thought the product was so, so cool and they have amazing flavors, right? So listen to these flavors, the long run, junk miles, the technical trail and the two week taper. Like that is so cool. And you can even get specific sets, right? You can get the speed work set, which comes with three different bags and then also the ultra marathon set. Um, it's just a overall great product. So if you love coffee, if you love staying hydrated and if you love running, This is the actual perfect product for you. So shout out to Long Run Coffee. If you want to check out their product and try out a bag for yourself, go to longruncoffee.com. The link is in the show notes as well. Today, we're actually talking with the founder of the company as well. So the... And don't worry, the episode is not all about long run coffee. We do touch briefly on it, but it's mostly about the ethos and the story, which you're going to find incredibly inspiring from my friend Tom McGinn here. It is such an inspiring episode, and I'm so stoked for you. Um, But I love long run coffee. Definitely try it out. It's amazing. And I hope you get to try it a bag to fuel your passion on your next run. All right, everybody, that's it for this part of the show. And we're going to get into the episode with my good friend Tom McGinn. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione. And um, what's super, super cool is, as you all know, you know, if you're listening to this episode and you have been listening to the podcast, um, it, and if this is the first time, welcome. Um, but if you have been listening in, we recently started a new series uh, called Product Reviews on here, where we're going to be reviewing running products and you know giving a, a real take on you know how these products can potentially help or not help if it's a bad review uh, into your running lifestyle and help you be a better endurance athlete every day. And our very first episode um, was all about long run coffee. Now, as you heard into the interview, like I was super stoked on this product because number one, I love caffeine when I run, um, but number two, I also love coffee. But number three, I've 
also always struggled with, you know, having coffee before my runs because it was a little acidic and everything. And as you know, like I just loved how the product was being able to go down smoothly. It made me feel more hydrated and so on and so forth. So I uh, was super stoked about the product uh, so much enough that I wanted to have on the founder, um, not just because I love the product, but I think the story on the company is super, super cool. I think the founder is awesomely talented and it's super cool to see he's got a passion for running too, um, which we love to have, you know, people on the podcast who are passionate about running. And thirdly, uh, I think it'd just be just an awesome chat, you know, just about, you know, the business, uh, even behind running too, because I love having on, you know, entrepreneurs in the running space too, because it's uh, a super, super cool conversation. So uh, without further ado, I'd love to bring on Thomas McGinn, the founder of Long Run Coffee on here, also a runner as well, coming in from the Midwest here, excited to have him on the podcast and have an amazing chat about all things Thomas McGinn. Tom, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. That was an absolutely glowing review. <laughs> well, dude, hey, I will say it's well earned. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty honest and, and straight shooter when it comes to these things, especially when it comes to coffee and caffeine. Like I'm a big stickler with that. And uh, man, I, I love the product. And, you know, I, I think I love your story even more, too. I was reading, you know, a blog that you did with Run Spirited. Um, shout out Henry Howard. He's awesome. Um, and I just love the in-depth story. And so um, I'd love to talk about, obviously, like how you started the business and everything like that. But tell us a little bit more of the Tom story. Like, I'd love to hear your foray into running and how you got into the sport and, you know, what developed this incredible passion that you have, you know, that everybody here listening also likely has as well. Yeah, for sure. So I, first, a quick sidebar question for you, the mm. product reviews you're doing a new segment. Yeah, it's a new segment, but it was actually inspired by, you know, our conversation to, to have this up. So oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So you've, pro I mean, I, I guarantee you've heard of run gum, but if you're a caffeine stickler, you absolutely have to try it. Is this like, Do you know what? It no, I don't know what this no, is. No, never heard of run gum. Run gum was founded by a runner as well. And they, what it is, it's gum that has caffeine in it. Whoa. Oh my gosh. So like literally like you just take it and chew it and it basically just has caffeine infused of it. And it's like you're drinking coffee, but you're chewing gum. Uh, I mean, that's the thought. I, I don't. I, I love it. I'm I'm giving it five stars for sure. And I, I really stars. like the founder too. I've never met the founder personally, but he, he seems like a really stand-up guy. So, um, but I, I haven't, I don't find that it gives it like the same kick. And, but to be fair, I'm not sure that it's like designed to provide the same degree of caffeine as coffee necessarily. I'd have to look at the, you know, the milligrams in it, but that's the thought. And it is, it is a great product. So you should try, you should try that next if it seems like it's up your alley. Well, you heard it first here from Tom, folks. I guess uh, a run gum is going to be the next one on the product review. So stay tuned on that. I will definitely keep you posted. I will uh, look on Amazon right after this or go to running store and see if they have them there and, and do a review on it. So yeah, no, thanks for the recommendation. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the founder is a runner, which kind of leads nicely into a little bit of my background. So I would tell you that I'm a, I'm a runner first. I, I found my love for running probably a few years ago. So I'm 26. I discovered my love for running junior year of college. Um, and I will get into the story. I would tell you that it wasn't totally up to me. It wasn't my decision to begin running. And yeah, but anyways, I, I would tell you that from a business perspective, it was very much so running first, mm. finding my love for running and then wanting running to be a bigger part of my life. And so then naturally the, the business was the extension of that. 
Um, I don't, I couldn't exactly tell you, you know, what proportion of running related businesses are founded by people who are runners first, or what proportion of people are just like, they're entrepreneurs, and they have an interest in starting a business, and they, they like the market, but that's, you know, that's not where I came from. So the running background, I will, you know, let's back up a little bit. I started running in high school, but I barely count that. So that for me was a cross country experience. Mm. So the high school I went to was an all guy high school and we didn't have a gym class. I don't know if that's normal or not. I feel like most high schools have some sort of like fiad gym thing going on. Um, we didn't have any of that. So in lieu of that, it was either join a sport or come to like the, the school's gym, record your time and meet some sort of baseline requirement. You could do mm -hmm. that after school, before school. Uh, most people wanted to be in a sport because it, I know, it was a little bit more fun. It wasn't like a strict necessarily requirement on what it is you were doing with that sport. So cross country was the, the go-to for most people because the team was no cut and it was go and run for 30 minutes and there's, you know, 250 freshmen. So I was like, it's a great way to meet people and you get this requirement kicked out. So that was what it was for me. And man, I did not like running. Mm. And I feel like that, I feel like that's a really commonly told story, actually. Mm. Uh, sort of, you know, in high school, if you're doing it for a sport and it's not necessarily something that you had planned on doing, you know, of your own free will, like it, it's a recipe for not liking the sport for sure. Especially when you think about it's you're thrown right into a speed thing. You know, we're on the, we're on an ultra marathon podcast here. Like, I feel like most people would agree here that, you know, that you go for a pace, but you're not all out sprinting mm -hmm. for whatever duration race it is we're looking at. So that's where I started to run in the truest sense. Um, and then pretty much quit as soon as I could cross country in high school. And then we'll say it took some time off uh, through college up until my junior year. And this is where I think the story is actually interesting and more involved. So a little bit of background. My family, very big into Disney World. Oh, let's go. Same here. Oh, really? No way. Yeah. Well, so my family, but me, like I'm a, I'm a Disney adult through and through. I will admit that, you know, to, to the roofs. But yeah, that that is that is my favorite place on earth for sure. I, you know, I am as well, but I feel like, you know, people like us, it's also not by choice. Like we're born into that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You know, it's like if this is what like you've literally been like bred to do since you were born, it's like you kind of don't have a choice. Like, I don't know. It's right. Just, we're Disney people now. Exactly. So anyway, Especially when you go as a kid, it's just like a, a like. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're a kid, it's like the most awesome thing ever. And it just gets ingrained and just kind of sticks with you as you grow older. So that's, I, I agree. I mean, with that's you. how they get you. And then as an adult, you want to feel like you did as a kid again. And that's where they that's where they really get you. For what sure. an amazing business model. <laughs> I know. And then, so, I mean, that, that ties in nicely here. So my cousin and I, it was our winter break of college, junior year. Um, and we, I don't know, we wanted to go to, to Disney, you know, it's warm over there, especially mm -hmm. in the winter. So I, I'm from Brookfield, Wisconsin originally, and it is, I mean, it's cold, right? It's cold. Uh, especially through that winter break of college, it's like December leading into January. And that's, I mean, easily the, like the worst time of the year, basically. Uh, in Florida, it's a little bit more manageable. 
so we were hatching a plan basically, but as juniors in college, it's like, well, what money do you really have to blow on airline tickets? And I think most people would know Disney is not cheap. Oh no. <laughs> Mouse comes expensive or he doesn't come at all. <laughs> I love it. So we're, we're contemplating ways to get there. And the first thing that comes up Disney marathon weekend it's like, okay, they have a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a marathon. And it's like, okay, well, what if we decide to suddenly take up exercise and we'll convince every family member involved that this is really, this is a productive project? You know, that's really what's going on here. No, nothing else. Plan is hatched. We actually get approval right away. We're like, and we're, we're now the, the trip is bankrolled, basically. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a loan from family. Hey, you're doing something productive. Absolutely. Let's, let's all go. We'll pay for the hotel, you know, and it'll be like a little family trip. And this is, it's surrounded around the idea of to do a race. Wow. That's, so you, so you, so just to back up you, to go to Disney, you were like, I'm, I'm going to sign up for a marathon and train for it. So you can get a paid expense trip to Disney. That is amazing. Like that is incredible. And especially like knowing myself coming from an unrunning background, I love Disney so much that like I can see like a, a marathon, but like that's like a, you know, it's not just like a 5k or 10k. I mean, that's a 26.2, like for <laughs> a large amount of suffering for a first marathon too, which is <laughs> just incredible. Um, I'm glad you bring that up. The plan in its entirety was to do the 5K. Oh, okay. Plan didn't go according accordingly because we go to the website, 5K is sold out, 10K is sold out, half marathon is sold out. And it's like, well, shit, guess we're doing the marathon. And I was not a runner at the time. And my cousin was even less of a runner. And that didn't, that didn't stop. Not being a runner pretty much lasted all the way up until... I would say like a couple weeks before race day. Oh my gosh. There was not much of a plan here. Well, there was a plan. It just was bad. It was a bad plan. Yeah. So I actually, I ripped an 18 miler a couple of weeks before the marathon, which, uh, you know, in the context of a training plan, knowing what I know now and being like as involved as I am now, like none, none of that made any sense at all. Uh, but it, you know, the 18 miler itself was the only real prep work that was done. Um, I think my cousin, I don't know, he got up to like six miles or something. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, did it extremely slow. So we, we knew what the cutoff time was for the Disney marathon. We broke that down into a, you know, an average mile time. And it was like, it was literally like data mining. It's like looking at every single possible situation in which we can, finish this thing under the cutoff time and not get like shoved onto the Disney bus and like paraded off to the magic kingdom with all the other people who didn't finish. <laughs> I, I don't exactly you know. I, yeah, it was, it was something along the lines of like a 16 minute mile average pace is what you need to clip, which is pretty dang slow. Right. So the strategy essentially became, all right, race day. Why don't we try running for like, I don't know, five miles, build up a little bit of a cushion, and then we can take like 17 minute miles all the way through the mm. end. That's exactly what we did. It ended up taking us like seven hours and 15 minutes to do this freaking marathon. It oh was my bad. Gosh. 
Oh my god, were you hurting? Like, was it like were you were pretty jacked up after it? You'd be surprised. I think because we went so slow, hmm. it wasn't that bad. And that also dovetails nicely into this is where I learned to love running. Mm. Was that super long experience? It was fantastic. I mean, they do a really good job with the course. It's entertaining the whole way through. You are moving your body. You're getting that runner's experience. And it wasn't painful just because of the sheer amount of time that we took to do it. And if you can go on a run, actually learn to enjoy the run, even if at first it's for reasons outside of the run itself, like, oh, look, it's freaking Mickey Mouse. Like I'm enjoying myself and you're not in pain. Like that's a good situation. Mm. So that was where I really first to like learn to like running. And after the marathon there, that's when I sort of started to pick it up as more of a daily habit. Mm. I started off really slow at first, you know, one mile at a time, then two miles at a time, three miles at a time. Um, not really having much of a plan with that, just starting to like work it into the daily routine a little bit more. And then I would say the next big event, you're never going to believe what it was. What was the it? Disney Marathon again. Oh, part two. Let's go. <laughs> also orchestrated by my cousin. I, you know what? I can't, I really can't take credit for, for all of these Disney marathons that we had planned. Uh, but the second one was in 2020, 2020. It was literally right before the world basically shut down for COVID. Oh, wow. Uh, that one, I for sure, I had been running now for several years, just kind of building mileage over time. That one I for sure trained for. I cut the time down from whatever, seven hours and 50 minutes to like 345. Oof, what a PR. <laughs> I know, unbelievable. Just like shaved several hours off of the <laughs> marathon time. <laughs> Man, but by this point, I was like a full-fledged runner. Yeah. Not quite into the ultra scene, but I absolutely loved running at this point. Like I would tell you that was a huge part of who I was. I was doing all of the runner's world articles. I would, it was like quintessential, like runner's world identity of road marathons, just reading random articles on stupid nutrition concepts. I feel like once you get past that classic runner's identity into the ultra marathon, all that shit goes out the window. It's like, no, no, no. Malort and pizza at the aid stations. <laughs> And really not well-planned 60-mile long runs. Exactly. Exactly. That's so cool. And before we, we we continue on, I think it's a cool point that you mentioned. And I want to like definitely just echo what you said is, you know, you were doing cross-country stuff. And obviously that cross-country, you're in high school, you're probably going like faster than you probably should like and it's a little more exhausting exactly. and everything and you found your love for running once you realize hey i can do this slower i can enjoy it a lot more and it was more of that like endurance yeah. as opposed to that sprint that really led you to the running because like I, I i hear all the time from people who don't like running and again running's not for everybody i'm not saying that but i think a lot of times people who say they don't like running it's usually because they're sprinting or like really going as hard as possible and it is hard it is really hard um not to say that the long distance is but like when you have that enjoyment factor of going slow taking in your surroundings seeing amazing sights whether it is mickey mouse or maybe an epic trail or like <laughs> a mountain right like anything like that like that's where your love began like through that slowness i, I love that yeah you know i tell you like 
so I've told that story a couple of times and I'm starting to wish like I had a better journey into running story. No, it's epic. No, it's Disney. Dude, That's it's it. freaking epic. I think that that might be one of my favorite origin stories, like uh, uh, in terms of how someone got into running, especially the novelty uh, and, and uh, intelligence of being able to craft a plan and still sticking with it when the marathon was the only option to sign up. Like that is just awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's really, I mean, it, it is different. And I, I feel like the, the Disney marathon is like, I, I don't want to say fake, like it's, it's 26.2, but like people are, you know, they're wearing costumes. It's, it's not designed to be like, I don't know, the, the world's most competitive <laughs> marathon of all time. So it was a great environment. It was definitely a place to, it was definitely a place to learn mm. to love running. Yeah. And then and you can go and explore it on, on your own terms in different ways, different distances, the whole nine, you can take it outside of that. But like, that was a good introductory uh, opportunity to learn about the sport. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, like, I mean, like Disney is, is optimized for happiness in there. Right. And so sometimes when you get <laughs> into these, these ultras, they're, they're more optimized for suffering than they are for happiness. So, uh, it's a, it's a whole different ball game when you get into like the ultras, but still you have that love of running in there. So, so tell us about that. Right. So you, you go into the, you know, the, the second Disney marathon, like kind of right before mm. like the world shuts down, um, you know, you, you, significantly shave off your time like which is amazing like into that too um but like how did you start dabbling into the longer stuff and really start to get into that kind of scene you know after going through years as as you say like the the typical runner's world uh <laughs> archetypical yeah. background um well actually you know it's interesting so the a note quick note on the the time the like the pace that i ran the second marathon at i'm to this day, I, I wasn't then and I'm not now a huge stickler on my pace. Hmm. I don't I don't look at it. And it's not like I go out of my way to not look at it. I simply just don't. I just don't. Wow. Care. Really? So like, and, do you wear a watch or? I do. I do wear a watch. I wear a watch for the distance. I, you know, I, I like the way it looks. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me like I'm I'm a runner. I wear a Garmin. There you go. It's part of it. You know, it's like an identity thing, honestly. Um, I do track it, use it to track distance. And when I was doing triathlon, it was hugely helpful for mm. the open water swim and some of the biking stuff that you had going on there too. Um, but just from a pace perspective, like I, I don't know, maybe it's a hot take, but I don't think people should like worry about it so much. Mm. Like you can find other ways to, I don't know, continue to like further yourself in the sport and different ways to PR, but like just having all of your happiness like hinged on a pace, it doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, I got to keep in mind too, like we're on an ultra marathon podcast and people go for pace. Like if I sign up for a hundred mar or a hundred miler, like I, I would have some sort of like goal in mind, but it just feels so different when we're talking about like the super long distances where people are like, I'm happy to finish. I'm out here having a good time versus like all the way back to track athletes where it's, the only thing that really matters is your time. Mm. So it's just, I don't know. I've never been one for worrying about that too much. And I, I know that I, I definitely wouldn't have found my love for the sport if I was worried about that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, yeah. And I love that notion so much because, you know, I think uh, it can, and I, I even face this personally sometimes, like, you know, you look at your pace and like, it's, it, 
maybe slower on a day for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, like I'm, I'm feeling slow. Like I'm not fit. Like you kind of get in your head. And like, even if like, you know, and I love Strava personally, but sometimes like, you know, you post a slower time on Strava and you're like, oh man, like what are other people going to think about me? And it kind of robs <laughs> that experience of yeah. actually enjoying running. And to your point, even this morning, like I said, you know, I'm just going to go out and run and I'm not even going to look at the pace. I'm just going to take it easy and enjoy it. And it was like one of the most refreshing runs I've had in a while. And sure, the pace was slower, but like I didn't look at it. But if I did, I probably would have it in my head. And so like I, I love that notion of just being able to go out and enjoy it for the sake of enjoying yeah. it without getting too caught up on pace. For sure. For sure. And, you know, even hotter take, I I don't know about you. I mean, I think everybody listening has like, I would say the majority of the people they know will tell you that I just don't like running. You know, if we're not, you know, if you're not like at a running event, you're not talking to your running buddies, you're just like normal course of living. And I'm talking to coworkers, people, everybody like hates running, right? Yeah. Like that's like the baseline assumption. And my hot take is that they're wrong. <laughs> they don't hate running. They hate running fast. And I think like if the, if someone who's not a, a seasoned or like super intuit runner is the best way I'll describe it. I think like they think they need to be running fast. Mm. And the perfect example, honestly, my brother, he's not going to listen to this. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> my brother is a pretty good example. When he, he runs on the treadmill a lot, mistake number one. Oh yeah. But number two is he, he always sets it to a certain pace. Like I got to run a seven and a half minute mile. I'm like, that's so fast. Like that's why you hate running. And same is true. If he's going outside, like he'll, he'll open up Strava just, for means of like tracking distance and I'll look at it and be like, Holy cow, I was so slow. Like that was terrible. I'm like, mm. but did you have more fun doing it though? Mm. Yeah. Well, there you go. Like you don't hate running. You just hate running like really fast all the time. I, I don't think people like explore the other side of running where it's just like enjoying yourself and going outside and just like taking it slow, making a habit out of it. The habit is where you really learn to love it. Like that's when you start to get those endorphins and just like feeling good all the time. Mm. I don't think people, I don't think people push past that point enough to really know that they can learn to love it. Like you got to just get over this little itty bitty barrier, like run for a month consistently, and then you'll, you'll get to the part where you enjoy it. I guarantee it. That's so awesome. So like, what did that look like for you and your kind of process, right? Like when you, um, you know, you, you make this realization during the Disney marathon, you're like, wow, like I ran slower. And so like, were you just saying, Hey, like every run I'm going to go out is going to be nice and slow and easy. I'm just going to enjoy it. Like, I guess, like, what did that look like for you in application? Maybe for like people who are, you know, listening, mm-hmm. who may be getting burnt out from running or cause, cause I agree with you. I think sometimes when people run too fast and even I noticed myself and I kind of pushing the pace a little bit like it can get hard mentally sometimes and it's like it almost uh you know is nice to kind of get that um easy slow kind of just Mm -hmm. free form not getting caught up in your head kind of running which I think is great so what did that look like for you in practice when you started to implement this for yourself yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I, I think it is, it's like an important distinction to make too, that it wasn't like an active thought of, oh, I should clearly be running slower. Like I enjoyed mm-hmm. that more. It was just uh, it was just like a foregone conclusion of this is clearly the right way that I should be doing it. It was never like an active thought. It was just, I'm going to keep this whole running thing going. And it happened to be at a pace that like I, I could control and like 
I could do it. And I think honestly, like the difference is I didn't really grow up running. I simply mm -hmm. did the Disney marathon at a 17 minute mile pace. So honestly, even at the time, maybe I was thinking to myself, wow, that, you know, 12 minute mile on the treadmill, that was absolutely cruising. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I never said to myself, like, I need to keep it slow. Like I started slow. I couldn't go any slower without it just being like a straight up walk. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was never really too much of a, a burden to try keeping the pace down. Um, I will say that when I started to notice the pace more was actually when I started training for an ultra. Mm. So that, that came pretty much right after the Disney marathon. So those races are in January. COVID was, I will say March, like early mid March of 2020 went home back to Wisconsin. I feel like everybody went home depending, depending on where family was, where you were, et cetera. But I ended up going back home to live with family for that time. And you've got all the time in the world. Right. And so I kind of knew like, well, I'm going to get back, you know, back to it pretty much right after the marathon, took a little time off or what have you, just the normal general operating procedure for people who finish a race. And I started just sort of generally building mileage. It was the same sort of process though, where I just, I go out. The only thing I was thinking about was distance. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I got to get off my high horse a little bit here. It's like, if you are really beholden to pace expectations, how is that really different from me? Like really demanding a certain distance on like the, the training plan and the calendar. It's, it's really this, it's really the, yeah two sides of the same coin. Um, but so I was really focused on the distance. And so what did I do? Not really knowing too much else. Uh, the 10% rule. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows the 10% rule, which by the way, I think is both, I think it's low-key underrated now. Everybody knows it, but I'm seeing it take a lot of heat. Like, oh, that's not really the right way to do things. This, 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 and this. And I don't know. It, it, it worked pretty well. That was like easily my best running season of all time was using just the 10% rule with some recovery weeks. But when you first, when I first went home for COVID, that's sort of where I started to pick up the distance. So I probably started with like, I don't know, something really minimal, not too crazy, like a 20 mile week and built from there. And I'll see if you're following something along the lines of the 10% rule, where you're just building slowly all, over time, all of a sudden, I mean, it, it kind of, it sneaks up on you all mm -hmm. of a sudden you're doing like 70 mile weeks and it's like, Oh, wow. 10% actually kind of adds up very quickly. Mm -hmm. And then all, you know, all of a sudden you're like barely halfway through the summer. And it's like, I can't actually, I can't really increase my weekly mileage anymore mm -hmm. without it being like a huge time suck. And also I didn't really, I didn't know where that was going. I was just increasing mileage, getting really into it, getting super into the ultra scene from a like digital community standpoint, right? There was nothing going on. It was COVID, but I remember distinctly getting super into Sage Canada's YouTube channel. Don't know why. I just absolutely gravitated towards it. I'm watching all this stuff, reading all of this content on ultra marathons. I'm like, this, these are my people. I don't know why. But like, I love, I love consuming this content, watching these videos, listening to podcasts. And I was already at like 70 mile weeks. So I'm like, well, I, I guess I'm going to just like run an ultra. Mm -hmm. So I planned probably like three months out then 
I'm going to run a 50 miler, just kind of DIY. I came back to Chicago to do it. I made two gigantic laps, two 25 mile laps around the city. And I mean, it was still pretty much peak COVID. So like, I don't know, I wasn't really going to, I wasn't going to find an organized race to do. For me, it was just really about the distance. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. Where that story was going was when I first started to notice pace, actually. Mm. So I, it was really all about the distance. But what I found was doing those super high mileage weeks, even though the majority of the running was very slow, like every once in a while, you just be feeling, you just be feeling fantastic. And you go out and run, you know, a seven minute mile to start because you're just like really feeling good. And then you notice your pace is like a very positive pace to notice. And then you're like, I'm going to keep this going. I'm going to see if I can like rip this for, I don't know seven or eight miles, uh, just just kind of because. That yeah. was the first time I started to notice pace, which is ironic, of course, because the only reason I was running that fast was because you are running slow, the, I don't know, 80, 90% of the time. But that was, um, I would say that was when it, uh, my love for running transitioned from uh, still an integral part of my identity to like most of my identity. <laughs> That was that so... season where I was doing the the high mileage? It's just when I like learned to love it, and obviously during COVID, it was it was the only thing I was doing. Mm-hmm. That is so awesome, and and I want to like dive just deep into one one thing on there because I think it's so cool to see you stacking up this training with no race on on the calendar, right? Because like it mm. shows that you have a deep love for the process, and and listen, I'm a firm believer of like you know, having, um, you know, a race on the calendar and like training, all those kind of things. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in a time like COVID, when there is no races and you don't have things that like, you really can see the people who loved running for running or who like loved running for the races. And again, I'm not bashing on, you know, anything for running the races, but I do this to say, it's like, I think having a love for the process leads to the sustainability and the enjoyment that you kind of found throughout your journey. And so like for for you, like what, what kept you driven on continuing to train, even though you had no races, I know you mentioned the community was a big part, but like Mm -hmm. go a little deeper on that. Like for, for anyone who's listening, who like maybe doesn't have something on the calendar or anything like that, like what kept you driven and, and continue to train and progress and enjoy it? I'm, I'm really glad, glad you pointed that out and brought that up. I, I think I have a little bit of a rant on this, actually. Still a hot take. I'm with you. I'm with you. I've got absolutely nothing against races. So I, I mostly go to races now, honestly, for long run coffee to, to support the race. Yeah. But I've only done, okay, I got Chicago Marathon under my belt now, too. Nice. Um, but I've only really done, what is that, three organized races, like, ever? So the two Disney am, Marathons in Chicago? Yeah, that's it. Holy shit. Wow. And I'm over here trying to make my entire life running. I don't, I, you know, I just, the rant is as follows, essentially. I think more Hit people it. should, should train for the purpose of training. Mm. Because what are you really saying? Is, is the value the fact that you're a runner or is the value the fact that you spent one day at this race? So good. That you're a runner. You, you train to train. You do it because you like it. No. Mm-hmm. Or do you do it because when you cross the finish line in just a matter of seconds, someone hands you a medal? I don't know. Yeah. I put those medals in a box. <laughs> but I, someone could easily listen to this and make a very good argument as to why I just don't get it. Like I've never, I haven't done that many races. 
And I love the race environment. I love going to the ultras, supporting the community, being there. And I really want to go to more ultras and eventually be able to run them. It's kind of tough when I'm always working them now. But I think a lot of people could get a lot of benefit out of training just for the point, uh, for its own sake. And I think if you intentionally do that, not having a race in mind, you're just going to build mileage, see where it goes, see where it leads. Like all of a sudden you don't have this thing looming above you. Like, oh, I have to fit the training in in this exact time frame because of this race over mm-hmm. here. Like all of a sudden now you're building mileage on your own time because you like it. And I, I feel like it's not the, yeah, it's not that people are the problem. It's just the fact that if you are signed up for a race, all of a sudden like this sort of subconscious thing of I'm, I'm really just doing it for the race but mm-hmm. if you're training and there's no race scheduled I mean I kind of got lucky like for COVID I didn't have a choice but if you do start to train for its own sake I think what you'll find is like I just kind of I don't know I just like running for its own purpose mm-hmm I dude, I love that perspective so much. And I'm not just saying this to 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 agree with you on anything. And it's the reason why I asked that question is because I one million percent agree with you. I think I think the training, I think if if runners love the training more than they love the races, then it's so much more sustainable, right? Because the race is like one day. And like if we even think about in the scope of training, like every once in a while, we're gonna have like bad days, whether it's we're just not feeling good or like something doesn't go our way, or maybe we get like a little niggle in our leg or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like anything of the sort. And it's like when you place all of your value on just one race day where again anything can go wrong like, you know, DNFs happen or, you know, bad race times happen. Like even for me, like I, I raced black Canyon. It was not a good day for me. Like I was just not yeah. there. But the thing is, it's like, if, if I placed all of my eggs on that mental eggs in that basket of like, this is everything then, yeah. you know, you kind of rob yourself of most of life, which is the training, right? Like most of the days are the training. And it's like, when you fall in love with that process and you fall in love with the training, like, and the race is just one day to your point, then you're loving most of your experience of running because you're more in tune with the training than you are on the race day. So I, I love that take. And I think it's more so important. I think, you know, in the age of Instagram and social media and everything like that, and the the race swag, I think it's, it's moving away towards that. Like, I, I think lesser so for like the ultra community, but, um, I, I do think as people are starting to get newer into the sport, it's all about, hey, let me just sign up for this 100 miler and do it. And that's what I'm going to be focused on. It's like, hey, love the training. Mm-hmm. And that's like so much more sustainable at the end of the day. So I, yeah. I 100% agree with you. For sure. And I'll place a couple of asterisks on that too. I, I think the ultra community is a little bit different. So, I mean, if you go to honestly, even something like an Ironman, like it's so heavy duty commercialized. Oh yeah. Like it's clear that being an Ironman is for the event itself. Mm-hmm. You know, like come get a tattoo, buy a backpack and do all this stuff at the event itself. And honestly, if you DNF, we don't like, that's fine. You should still buy a backpack. But when you go to the, when you go to the ultra events, it's like, you kind of cut out all of that BS. And so, and, and like the people at ultra marathons, I find it funny I mean, it's just like, uh, it just makes me giggle. Like, I don't know how many people like really train for it. Like, and it's kind of become a recurring joke at a lot of the races that I've been to. Like, yeah, no, no way. 
Like, I'm, there's no way I'm finishing this, but I love being here. And where would we be without the race community? Like some of the, the best people I've met at with Long Run Coffee are race directors and the community they provide is absolutely unbelievable. So add those asterisks to my, my little rant earlier. And I think what we have in, in totality is a well-rounded belief <laughs> that we should enjoy the process uh, but also the race community is is huge for furthering the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that that's why I kind of guided that question in because I just think it's it's so awesome to see that because uh, again, it's just sustainable. It's more enjoyable and like you learn to love it. And I think like, again, COVID was a very big realization for a lot of people. It's like, do you love it or do you, do you really love this or not to continue to keep doing it despite you know, no race is happening on. So it's awesome that you took that approach into there, which is great. So I know we kind of like made a tangent into there. So you, you mentioned that you were going to do two twenty-five mile loops, self-supported 50 miler. How did that go? Tell us, tell us about that. Uh, I love hearing stories of people just doing ultras for the sake of ultras, like not, and Mm -hmm. and what I mean, self-supported ultras, not at a registered race. So tell us how that went and, and what that experience was like. Honestly, I, I think it might have been easier than if I had done like a legit ultra. Mm. And I say legit, like it, it was the same distance. But, you know, here in Chicago, like everything is as flat as flat can be. I did all my training on the road. So running on road was the same through and through. If I had gone to a trail and tried to rip 50 miles on a trail, that would have been significantly harder. Also, like when you're doing a normal, when you're doing Black Canyon, for example, they tell you where the aid stations are. And there's mm-hmm. plenty of aid stations. Like it's a well-supported race, but it's not 7-Eleven on every single corner of Chicago. And that was my aid station. You had everything you wanted at your disposal. I mean, I had made, I forced my brother to bike next to me for part of it. He just would hand me salt out of like a little Ziploc baggie that I forced him to carry. I had a very easy time with the logistics of the, of the ultra. And honestly, because I wasn't, I didn't necessarily start the season with the intention of doing it. Um, I just had built up mileage so significantly that it, I put it to some sort of like mental goal event. It, It went fantastic. I mean, it was a great experience. I took it slow the whole time and then we went out drinking afterwards. There you go. That's yeah, awesome. Just keep it nice and relaxed. And I think the ultra community is really, really good about keeping it relaxed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like keeping it chill, keep like not high pressure, just enjoying it and everything mm-hmm. like that. Did you like hit any bouts of like, oh my gosh, this is fucking hard or like this is tough or any low moments during that? Or was it pretty cruisy for like the, the most part? I'm curious. I don't know exactly why I decided on two big laps. But that second lap was like, oh, I can't believe I like saw all this already. And <laughs> I'm like 30 miles from being done. You know what I mean? Or 20 X miles from being done. That was a little bit, it was a, that was a mental game. Of course, always is. But that was, that was a little tough. Also for sure, gastric distress towards the end. Ooh. 7-Elevens, did me dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Was it the food or like, what, what was it? I think the, the way it felt to me was literally anything I put in my body would have just been incinerated in like 
I'm like, well, fine at that point. <laughs> like, it didn't matter. I'm not going to blame 7-Eleven. It was like literally anything that went in was like, this is not going to go well. Oh my gosh. It was just like an acid pit, just like swallowing everything. That's up exactly, literally, that is exactly what it was. And I'll be honest, I didn't really do the f- most phenomenal job with nutrition leading up to the event. I did most of my runs without a ton of nutrition on the run mm. itself. So like I did a great job fueling outside of the runs, uh, but not so much during the run. So then when it came time for the 50 miler, like, oh, you got 10 miles left. I'm going to eat, you know, a freaking Twinkie or whatever. Just it absolutely did not go well. That was by far the hardest part of the ultra for sure, which is not uncommon. I feel like people really need to hone in their nutrition strategy. They talk about it a lot. They have recommendations. There's, you know, endless articles you can read on the matter. So it's like a big deal for a lot of people. And I can see why that mm-hmm. was a, that was, yeah, that was a tough part of it. Yeah. And and, and it's so interesting you say that. Cause like the number one, like the thing that like got me super like uh, dialed into nutrition was like the number one reason why people DNF ultras is not injury. It's not leg soreness. It's not like mm-hmm. mental it's, it's GI issues and stomach. And that, <laughs> that, yeah. Which is crazy. Like, cause you wouldn't think that you think, Oh, because it's hard because your legs are shot or injury or blister. It's like, no, it's like GI stuff. And it's like, and I can agree. I think I would rather have like super sore legs than a messed up as all hell stomach on an ultra, like 10 times out of 10, like no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I also had an easier time too, because you're, you're in the city. There's, there's bathrooms everywhere. Yeah. Like, let me, let me dip into this Mariano's real quick. I'll even, I'll even buy dude wipes while I'm at it in this Mariano's halfway deep into this 50 miler. And like, nobody's going to know what you're doing. Right. You know what I mean? Like you don't really get those accommodations at an ultra. Cause you're like, most of the time you're in the woods or you're at black Canyon. Like, I'm sorry, there's no, there's no Walmart. You can just like hop into real quick. So from that perspective, I would honestly tell you that the, the 50 miler I did was easier than like going out on a trail. Mm. And you know, what? Probably. I like, I like, yeah. And I like that perspective. Right. Like, and I love how like you're, you're calling it as it is. Cause I think sometimes <laughs> like, cause, cause I agree. I've done like kind of like self-supported runs like that before. And it can be like, everybody wants like, Oh, did, were you suffering or blah, blah, blah. And people are like, yeah, it was hard. It was tough. But like, you're like, Hey, like it was chill. It was, it was like a perspective kind of thing. And I, I agree. Like, I think when I do like longer runs mm-hmm. out in like the city or like, you know, I live in Phoenix. So like, sometimes like when I'm running on the streets, like it's, significantly easier and uh i think it's you know it's it's good to like kind of be like okay like this is great like you know this is awesome like whereas like you're on the black canyon trail it's like man it's fucking remote like you know (laughs) i I have to like wipe my wipe my ass with like this leaf and hopefully there's no cactus needles on it and like you know yeah none of that's going on yeah Yeah, but like the second it has a qualifier oh unsupported like wow wow how crazy of you like that's insane and i'm like no no like i could have ubered home at any time like it was actually way better but it's but i think too you know conversely i think also just the self-determination to like Mm. put that on i think is is something to be credited for right because like to you in the end of the day like you had to like go out and and put the date on the calendar you had to wake up and do it like there was no start line gun that you were like being beheld to it's so i think uh 
you know, conversely too, like shout out to to you for for just saying, hey, I'm just gonna fucking do this to do this and show up and make it. Because like you know, if you yeah. woke up on that night, you could have been like, yeah, whatever. Like you know, no race entry, no fee, like no nothing. You're just like whatever. But you went out and did it anyways, which is like I think admirable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think you know when you consider the fact that it was like, I I was truly working up to that without intending to do it, and it's just like I enjoyed the process of building mileage for its own sake it was like it it just it made a lot of sense like the stars align and if i had this goal date in the back of my head that whole time like i think it actually would have been harder to be honest with Mm. you i do think that the race environment especially for ultras like is really helpful because you're you know you're in it with more or less a, a team like not a team in the traditional sense but like you're you're on a team of people that they're all in it for the same goal so like that part i could see being truly helpful too. like if your friend is like i'm i'm done here i'm like i'm bnf and like everybody has the responsibility to be like hmm, no you're not <laughs> let's go we're, we're going doing this paid 300 bucks for wonder bread at aid station number nine so we're moving we're finishing this i love yeah that's that's so true it's like having that community aspect and feel is there Mm -hmm. because like you have people cheering you on like people at the aid stations be like come on you got to go sometimes you have pacers like and so yeah i like i like that aspect of the the community in there which is well so yeah i think it's like it's like almost like a choose your own poison kind of thing you know like there's there's hard in each of them there's like greats in each of them too um but it's so cool to see you kind of just doing this on your own like despite you know the the opportunity of no races in there and i think that's why we saw like in 2020 the insurgence of fkts and you know these like yeah, crazy sure. uh people just going after struggle str- like these nuts strava segments and everything like that like um i think uh it just showed the love of running in full form and i think your stories encapsulates that for sure yeah and i don't know if it really took off during 2020 necessarily but i do feel like we've seen an increase in the the interest in like weird personal challenges. Yeah. So I have, I, this year I am absolutely going to do it. One of which is the Goggins four by four by four. Oh yeah. I think that's what it is. It's like you run four miles. Is it four miles every four hours? Four miles every four hours and it's 48. So it's, it's over. Oh, it's 48. Yeah. That makes it even better. Those kinds of like just bizarre. They're not like, they're not necessarily time-based. They're not necessarily distance-based. They're just like weird messed up things to just like try um i actually was just hanging out with scott coomer the 10 junk miles oh yeah crew. he was telling me he all but convinced me to do one mile every hour for 24 hours which he said is actually harder for some reason just because you're doing it at such a weird frequency like i don't know i don't know why that sounds so appealing but like hey we're all messed up everybody listening to this totally gets it i gotta do that this year for sure. Oh, yeah. If you have well, anything to add to that list, I am all ears. Oh my gosh. The one mile for 24 hours, I think does sound harder than four by four. I've done four by four by 48. It is. You have. Yeah, it is a, it, it is a weird one for sure. It's brutal, but I think I, thinking about it now, I think the one mile every 24 hours would be harder. <laughs> um, and I know you mentioned, you're like, I'm not sure like what drives me, but like dig a little deeper. Like what, what does drive you about like those like weird challenges or just kind of the one-off things? Like d- does it attract you more than the races? Like, would love to hear that that is a good question i think it's honestly some sort of like i think it's it's a feedback loop that kind of gets us all so mm-hmm. if you i'm not oh wait i don't know if i'm gonna get the name of this 
it's not as it's not really a theory it's more of like a proven science um when you do something hard you your brain essentially drops below like a dopamine baseline mm. like your brain knows you're doing something you don't want to do you drop a little bit below this like happiness baseline and in order to achieve equilibrium you get a release of dopamine mm. after having it been completed and you're like happy for the rest of the day the opposite is also true so if you do something really easy right away i'm going to eat this snickers bar and kfc and sit on the couch easy choice you feel like shit after and i feel like we just kind of all know that intuitively you know you don't need to hear a, a theory to just like feel that that's true and if you learn running over like a super long period of time I, all of a sudden it's like a it's like an ingrained part of who you are is operating that way mm. and then the deeper you go into that sort of lifestyle of this like upfront weird cost i mean the ultra community running community loves to say suffer it's like upfront suffer cost that like strangely the happier happier you are after and then you can just get kind of like creative about it. Like I'm going to do one mile every 24 hours. It's going to suck, but like, I'm going to love that for some reason. And it truly just kind of makes you happier. And then, I don't know, there's definitely a sense of accomplishment, of course, always with these sorts of things. Um, yeah. Well, what do you think about that? I love that. No, I think it's great. And I love that you boiled it down to like a science and it is proven science. Cause I, I know I've like read some, there, there is like a word for it. I don't know what the exact word for it is, but I love it. You, you put the science behind it because I think, you know, nowadays it's almost becoming like kind of cliche where it's like, you know, you do hard things and you have a happier life. But then when you boil it down to it's like, hey, there's actual neuroscience behind this. It's linked to dopamine chemicals in your brain and dopamine regulation and all those things like that. I think it becomes much more enticing and much more real because like, again, we see like the Goggins yeah. reel on Instagram or anything like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's the same shit over and over again. But once we realize it's like, no, this is how neurochemistry works, then it's like, oh, OK, like this is enticing. This is how the brain works. It's not just this like you know, hype mantra that people tell themselves to get motivated. It's actually how our brain and our happiness and our moods regulate. I love that perspective. Yeah, for sure. It's okay. I got it right here. It's called the hedonic treadmill. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Feel free to, you know, take a look or if you're, you're listening to give it a quick Google and it's really quick. It is essentially in essence what we just, just talked about. And it kind of ties in to the, the earlier hot take when someone tells me they don't love running, I'm like, but you do though. Like it, <laughs> it's science. Like you, you must, I know you do. You just haven't tried it. Mm, I yes. feel like I can say whatever I want because only runners are listening to this. <laughs> I want all the hot takes. I want all the hot takes in here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so awesome. And, and I, I agree with you. I think, you know, doing some things that are, uh, or when you start to do more things like that, like the challenges don't become scary anymore. They become intriguing, mm -hmm. right? It becomes like addicting because like, again, like dopamine is one of the most addicting kind of neurochemical yeah. things that we do. I mean, that that's what drives motivation. That's what drives our goals. That's what drives, you know, anything, but even when it comes to ultras or anything like that. And when we get those from those challenges, that's where it kind of stacks on. It's like, you hear the idea of doing one mile every 24 hours. Previously, that's you're right. like, fuck that. That sounds terrible. But then like 
once you start to have that experience, you're like, no, that sounds amazing. Like I want more. I love that. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. This is, this, I have nothing to back this up, but I would tell you that people in the ultra community in particular, where you're going really long distances, I think we sort of have somewhat of a natural propensity uh, to be a little bit more sensitive to things mm. like dopamine and a little bit more in tune with that, that sort of that chemical, because it's not uncommon at all for dopamine to sort of get the best of you in some ways too. And I think, you know, that manifests in a lot of different ways. You could talk about addiction or you could talk about eating disorders, all the whole nine, but the ultra community in particular is more, I don't want to say more susceptible, but it's, it's more common or at least more talked about. And so if, if dopamine can kind of play against you too, you know, you make an easy choice up front, dopamine hit, and then you're, you know, drop back down below baseline. Maybe the ultra community just is a little bit more sensitive to those swings. And so now we're learning to use that to our advantage. And it's like, okay, I know I'm going to be really happy doing this stuff. And I'm essentially going to make it a part of my life. And I know you get it. I think I just saw a article from Henry actually. Yeah. On you. Really well done. Great Thank stuff. You. I love Henry. He does a fantastic job. He is amazing. Yeah, he's so amazing. He's gonna be on the podcast too. Uh, you know, no way. yeah, which is great. So uh shout out Henry. But yes, like I, I I'm nodding and you can see my eyes lighting up because mm -hmm. like I totally get it. And I don't even know even just for me, you know, having a background in addiction and substance abuse and all that kind of stuff, like you meet so many people who like they've gone through crazy traumatic past or like an addictive personality or anything like that. Um, and, and even like Scott Jerk talks about it in his book, eat and run, which is, you know, phenomenal. Like he even talks about how, you know, he, you know, went through tough times as a kid, like having to hold his whole family together and everything like that. And ends up being like one of the best runners in the world. I think, I don't know what it is. It's just like this mm -hmm. tolerable for suffering that, you know, you, get that big dopamine hit it almost becomes addicting in its own right so i love that you you mentioned that in there it's because like I, you know we it all links up in the end of the day because it can swing to the the adverse side but because it is such that big dopamine rush the people who maybe are in tune to that craveability of that dopamine a lot more yeah. will launch themselves into the the ultras yeah and uh, similarly uh, a little it's a slightly different point, but it, it, it's very similar. I find that when I'm talking to someone who really feels like they've figured out their absolute passion in life. And if you're doing, if you're doing shit like a hundred miler, like I would tell you that that's like, that's your passion, right? <laughs> I feel like most people have some, some sense of what got them there. And usually those sorts of like really, really strong passions are like born from some sort of adversity. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not manifested in running, it, I don't know if you know Simon Sinek at all. Oh, of course, start with why, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So he, he often talks about how where he is now was born from great struggle. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you can't, you can't get to a place of having like, found a really strong sense of direction and knowing yourself without having been challenged in a, a, a tough way first. And I feel like when you're at something like an ultra marathon and you're talking to all these people who have experienced some sort of ridiculous struggle, 
Like that's what led them into these deeper avenues of exploring A, a way out, and then B, that way out giving them like a really strong sense of self and knowing exactly what they want and finding their passion, which is running. Mm, so good. So good. I love that because like we, we almost, uh, and I'm just speaking from my personal experience, like, you know, that's, it, it's when you see it as the avenue to find fulfillment or get over a struggle or anything like that, it, it becomes like, okay, this is my purpose. That's what makes me feel alive. This is what like makes me feel a sense of contribution because it was that, that, tunnel out of that mode of suffering or struggle or anything like that. And we almost like become addicted to that in a good way of just, you know, finding the growth and contribution. And I'm curious from you, right? Like, so, I mean, we, we talked about running coming up too, but I also want to talk about, you know, you starting this business too. Cause I, I, I always say this, and I've said this on the podcast multiple times. A lot of people will ask me, they'll be like, what do you think is the hardest endurance sport of all? And like, people expect me to say like ultra running or anything like that, but you know, I'm going to say starting a business. I think starting a business is the toughest endurance, uh, you know, uh, is sport of all time. So like, did that start from struggle from you to starting long run coffee? Like, I guess like, uh, like how, what, what, what got you to, you know, really dive into that and, and start up a business and get into, as I said before, the, the toughest endurance sport of all. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's, let's go in a little bit deeper. So I would tell you, I, I clearly left this part out of the story earlier, but so in between marathon one and marathon two, somewhere in there, eating disorder got thrown in. Mm. unfortunate reality. And I feel like an unfortunate reality that a lot of people know and really can like associate with. Well, it's just a part of the deal. And mm. if you embark on a health journey and you are successful, quote unquote, with your health journey, maybe, you know, marathon one was when I like first started to learn about what exercise does. Mm. And then you add in the nutrition component and now significant amounts of success, I'd say again, in air quotations, maybe that's really not the right way to put it, but perceived success. Now you're looking at issues. Mm. And what brought me out of those issues was actually like learning to love running for the process of running. And so that's mm -hmm. why I'm so into it. And so, you know, when you first embark on this health journey, maybe you're just like dieting or doing something that is ill-advised, but you don't know it's ill-advised. And now you've got problems and all of these struggles and things that you're trying to essentially figure out yourself, but also hide at the same time. And then if something can bring you out of that, out of that deep struggle, like that all of a sudden is like, boom, that's going to, that's going to be who you are. Like that's going to be your passion now. And for me, that was absolutely long distance running. And I don't know, just something about being out on a super long run. Like you have time to think, you have time to like calm yourself. And the fact that it does make you happier after, like that's just a recipe for success. Mm. So that was around, I don't know, 2019-ish, 20, I'm, it's around there. It's around there. But essentially what is going to happen then the next several years, continuing to learn to love running, making it a huge part of your life, a deeper part of your life and exploring what that's going to mean to you and what it's going to mean about who you are and learning more about yourself and having that become a huge part of your sense of self and identity. We'll just cut to the chase. Fast forward. I'm over here and now I'm like, 
I really want this to be my life, essentially. Mm. And uh, newsflash, I'm not going to be a pro athlete anytime soon. So now what? I am going to marry two different loves I have, coffee and running. And I'm going to try to make a, pre- a product that I think other people can get something from. I think the product now stands for something because of mm. who I am and what I want other people to hear and see when they see this product manifested, it is, it stands for your, your passion and it stands for a part of who you are. And I think that sounds potentially crazy to the average person, but I would argue that the average listener here probably gets it. Mm, that's so good. I, I, I love that. And, and uh, first of all, thank you for being a totally vulnerable about, you know, eating disorder. I know that's always a thing that a lot of people in the running community struggle with, and it's not always an easy topic to talk about, but the fact that you shared that like reinforces that point that you mentioned before that, like, you know, you had this struggle moment. Um, one that's a battle, like an eating disorder is definitely something that's really, really tough mentally, physically whole nine yards from there. And you found, you know, solace through running and healing through running, which eventually ended up being your passion. And fast forward to now, when you want to merge two different passions, which running and coffee and having that in there and wanting to go all in on that is amazing. Like for you, like what, like, how did you, develop the 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 courage or I don't even know if I want to say courage but like just the the tenacity to want to go all in on that right because I think I think sometimes like we mm-hmm. you know we have and again it doesn't have to be running specifically will probably be for a lot of people but like they're like they have a certain passion or this thing that they want to do and they want to go all in on yeah. and uh how did you how did you develop the tenacity to just go for it that is a uh that's a flattering word to use I, and, and, and then, so here's the truth of the matter is like over a, a significant period of time, it's 2023, I don't know, four or five years and running becomes a deeper and deeper part of you essentially every day. What you're left with is like almost, I guess I'll describe it as like a, a pain almost like in your chest. It's like a, it's a confusing sensation because it's, it's like a, you know, the, running is your it's a love but it's also now causing pain because you like it so much it's kind of the only thing you you want your life to revolve around Mm. your passion and it's call it tenacity or whatever you want to call it but for me it was like this is the only clear this is the only clear route like this is what i have to do if i want my life to revolve around my passion which like i can't undo that feeling like it there's only one way to go. Mm. Mm. It's like the passion was so burning inside of you that it would <laughs> it would almost like hurt you more yeah. to ignore sure. it than to actually go towards it. Or to, it, yeah, to, it, yeah, it couldn't be ignored for sure. And I will tell you this: this is actually a good a good caveat too. Is we all get injured every once in a while, right? During the times of injury, when you are absolutely sidelined. And for me, it was like injury you couldn't push through. It was like, oh, I broke my collarbone skiing or, oh, I fractured my knee skiing. Skiing has done me dirty a few times. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when you're, when you're sidelined and you can't actually express the passion through running, and it, it's such a release for like literally everybody, right? If you don't have that release and you don't have that 
time to actually continue to fuel your passion. Like all of a sudden it's like, wow, now I, I really need some other outlet. Mm. And it's like that those moments for me pushed me even closer and further into knowing I need to, you know, manifest this in some other way. And something like starting a business, the real, uh, the real benefit there that I've seen so far is being able to connect with the community so much further. Mm -hmm. And I feel like let's, I mean, let's, let's talk about your podcast in a very similar way. You're not necessarily running a, a business, but you're connecting with the community via as something that you offer mm -hmm. to people. And it's given you probably so many opportunities to meet all these great people and become so much more involved with the sport and the people behind the sport. And that's, that's what I've seen so far. And that is, that was truly the motivation behind it was like, I know, you know, like I need to do this and I need it to be a bigger part of who I am. And it goes so much beyond just going out for a run. Mm, I love that. And I think it shows in your, just like this conversation. And I was going to say this at the end of the show, but I'll say this now. I think, you know, I've, I've spoken with a lot of different companies and brands and, you know, uh, CEOs and whatever, but you know, for you, you're, you're coming on here, you're being raw, you're being real. Like I can tell, like everything is like so genuine and that you're doing this for the love of the community. And I truly believe the best products are the ones that stem from that, right? Like the best, like not even just products, right? The best podcasts, the best like services, mm -hmm. the best trail running media, all comes from the people who want to be a part of the community, who want to serve, who want to give. And it's it's just so evident by, you know, uh, I think this whole conversation, because every, you know, you, you're sharing your story in here, but I noticed like a lot of the things you were saying is like, hey, like for people listening, here's this, here's this, right? You were very much thinking of, of the listener first, which is just amazing. Yeah. And uh, I think it shows just in not just the way that you're on this podcast, but the way that you're running the business, which is incredible. Yeah, you know, and and I I know there are people out there who feel this exact same way, mm -hmm. and so it's like I, you know, not everybody drinks coffee, so we 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 have some things that we're working on and coming down the pipeline. Ooh. But for right now, and ultimately very soon, but for right now, if you do enjoy coffee, this is like this is a way for you to connect with your passion every morning, and so you wake up, you see this on your you know, your counter and you can, you can like taste it. You can smell it. It's sort of a sensory thing. It should remind you of your passion. It's sort of like a, a nice manifestation of, it's a reminder of who you are. And I mean, I mentioned earlier, like I wear this Garmin watch, like it's part of, like, it's just part of the, what I do as a mm -hmm. runner. And even if you're not using it every day, it's like, I got it on. People know, people see it, people know. It's just like a little reminder almost. And I think, you know, when people hear me talk about what it means to have a passion and what it means to like really be driven by it. And it's almost like you're, I want to say beholden to it. Like that kind of has negative connotations, but more or less you are like, it's your passion. It's something you, you feel like you need to be doing, but for the best of reasons. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there who would agree, feel the same way. And if you do feel the same way, like this is, this is something for you that kind of helps you feel that sense of identity for mm. the, the sport. So good. And, and especially, you know, I, I, and speaking from my personal experience, even just, you know, I, I, 
at the time of this recording too, I did the the review this morning. I recorded it and everything like that. It was my first cup. And like, even just like finally having a coffee that like aligned with like my identity as a runner, right? Like right. was just, it was, it's just so cool because, you know, uh, sometimes like you, you get like a generic brand, like a Starbucks or anything like that. And it's, it's just so wildly different. But when you have that passion for running and you're like, I don't know. You have that bag on there. It's got the design of the mountains, right? I had the the long run blend. It was great. Um, and you read on the back, it's mm-hmm. like speaking to you. Like, uh, it just makes you feel much more connected through the things that you do to your passion of running, at least in my experience. And so I think it's just so cool to have that in there and you can feel it in the experience of that whole product. And I love how you're positioning around something that is going to help to fuel the passion, not just for coffee, but for running and the long run in general too, which is just super cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, I, I mean, I, you're seeing me, like I wrote it and it's, it's for people like us. I mean, a little bit of Simon Sinek in there. It's like, it's Mm. more than coffee. It's, it's, we, it's for people who believe what we believe. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're not a conglomerate and I, I say we, it's, you know, it's me over here. I'm, I'm putting the coffee in boxes for yeah. people. Like this is, this is my, this is my business. So it's, you know, it's, it's not about, I don't know. It's not about building a business first. It's about the community first. And here's a product that we'll offer for people who are truly a part of that community. Yeah. So good. And I thought that was awesome. Like when, uh, when we were just going on email, just kind of talking and you were like, yeah, like I'll, I'll send you a, you a cup of coffee and it was, it was awesome. Cause I got the tracking number and it was from you, like, you, you know, like straight <laughs> from you and everything we're going back on email and I'm like, Oh, this is just like so cool. And, uh, first of all, I'm a big proponent of supporting small business too. So, um, but like, I think you can feel the, the genuineness through that. And I think it's awesome. It just feels more personal. And, uh, even just knowing that like, you're the one who writes the copy on like the back of the, 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 the coffee bag and everything like that. Like, it's just, so awesome, man. So um, super, super cool to just see everything that you're doing. I love the product personally. Um, you know, it's it's awesome to be in here and connect. And I always love, you know, learning about more about the the person behind the brand. And I love how this episode was just about you, like, and, and your uh, takeaways, which I think were just so insightful and just so awesome. And I just love all the stories that you shared and uh, the the takeaways that our audience can get, which is just so, so awesome. So before I ask my last question on the podcast here that I ask everybody, um, where can our listeners, you know, learn more about you, learn more about long run coffee? Uh, obviously I'll put all the links in the show notes, but for anyone sure. listening, uh, where, where can they best find, uh, more about you and, and long run coffee? We, we are on all of the social medias, right? TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we for sure have a website. There's a lot of good information on the website, including, you know, what, what our products, what's differentiated about our products, help you choose between the different roasts and the flavors, uh, gives you a little bit more background on the company and who we think the community is for. Honestly, that's pretty good. There's, there's emails and contact information all over the website, all over our products. You can, you can contact me pretty, pretty dang easily. And I will say one quick note that our, you know, our social media and stuff like this has been a very this has been a very passionate, serious, more or less conversation. Um, but I really like having fun with it, you know. Like not a, you know not everything is so so serious all the time. So our our social media is very much easygoing, and I, I do feel like despite having such a intensity about, you know, my love for the the sport more or less, I'm like a super easygoing guy. So I, I'm not really. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not about to make like the super hardcore 
content or anything. It's all it's all pretty easy going. So you can shoot us a follow, reach out to us, give me a call, whatever. That's <laughs> pretty awesome. reasonable. And I will attest that your your memes are are amazing. Like they're <laughs> they're awesome. Like they're so good. Like and it's it's funny yeah. because like you know I follow a lot of trail running memes and I think I, I recently followed you guys like a few months ago and so like to see your memes pop up and it's so awesome because like sometimes they're not even about coffee or anything like that. It's just like a funny thing on running and I was just like oh dude these are these are great. Like it's awesome. It's just uh it's great. So I you have my meme recommendation for sure. Like I yeah, think it's uh right. it's awesome. We're all we're all having fun with this together. You know. Exactly. I love it. Oh, that's great. Well, if, if for everyone, I highly suggest you check out Long Run Coffee. Uh, go to the link in the bio or the show notes here and uh, check out the products. It's delicious. It's amazing. Um, as I mentioned before in the review, just so surprised at like just how smooth it goes down um, and and how less acidic it is, which is super cool, which um, you were talking to me before the show. Like, uh, Tell us a little bit about that too, because I, I lied about that being the last question there, but uh, <laughs> tell us about that acidity thing. Cause I think like for me, the big hang up before coffee, before long yeah. runs was the acidity. Yeah. And I thought it was fascinating what you said about it. For sure. So I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if we address it. So long run coffee is electrolyte infused coffee for endurance athletes. And so, you know, it's funny. We, we made the product ourselves. I, I say we, it's, it's me and my significant other, Jenny. So Jenny and I had a lot of, and it was an iterative process of testing different sources of the electrolytes. Like there's subtly different sources that you can get all these from. Um, and then, you know, what that does to the flavor profile, all of this stuff. And it was just a, a very long ongoing process. And what mm -hmm. we ended up with, um, the ingredients used are also what's used in making alkaline water, which if people aren't aware is a very pH basic, uh, essentially bottled water. People use it for cooking. People use it to drink just because they like the taste. It does have a little bit of a smoother, it's literally smoother. I mean, it's a pH basic uh, solution. And, and so the ingredients that we're using, this was somewhat unintended, just happened to be lowering the pH of the coffee. So it does go down smooth. It actually literally is a, it's a more basic solution. So it's less acidic. And I feel like you can really actually, I don't want to say you can taste the difference because it tastes like coffee. And we, we very, very carefully mm -hmm. uh, selected the electrolyte ratios such that it would, it, you know, it's going to be coffee forward. Like it, this is your coffee product. You could drink it on your rest days, drink it on your long runs. It, it's not going to make or break your training. The electrolyte profile is reasonable. We want it to taste like coffee. Um, but it just was an, it was an interesting unintended side effect that we're lowering the pH and all of a sudden it's, it's pretty smooth. Yeah. And I think that's like one of like the, the, the best things I think about, I mean, obviously the electrolytes are great. Um, but man, like that acidity in there is great. Cause I could not handle it on my runs with standard coffee. Plus you get the electrolytes on top of it with like that notion of, you know, we hear it all the time. Coffee dehydrates you, caffeine dehydrates you, but it's like, Hey, we got the electrolytes in here. Like, you know, it's going to be able to have all those things that you need to stay hydrated out there while also getting the caffeine that's going to help you to, you know, perform better and so on and so forth. Like, I think it's just like, um, a perfect concoction between obviously great coffee, but also tackling all the things that are quote unquote, like frowned upon in the coffee world for standard endurance athletes, so to say. Yeah, no, for sure. You, you can, you can enjoy your coffee here. It's not gonna, it's not gonna harm your training. I promise.
Absolutely. Yeah. And I can attest, I mean, I, I, as you all probably heard the episode, if you haven't already, I'll put that in the show notes too, but it's a great product. I love it. Uh, if you're listening, please check it out. I mean, it, and I just love, uh, you know, the, the, the story, the mission and, and man, your ethos around it is just so amazing. So, uh, it, it is awesome to see that too. So encourage everyone to check out long run coffee too. uh, check out what Tom's doing. It's amazing stuff. And, uh, Tom, man, this is such an awesome conversation. I appreciate you for coming on and for, you know, being super vulnerable. And, and transparent and sharing everything on here. It's been super, super awesome. And for my last question here that I ask all of the listener or all of the guests on this podcast, and um, sorry, I'm not letting you get away with uh, not getting asked the <laughs> question here. Um, since the show is called Everyday Ultra, like we want to help our listeners become better endurance athletes every day. So my question to you, Tom, is what can our listeners do every single day to be better endurance athletes? Oh, mm-hmm. I, you, you've set me up just a little too well. Just teeing you I, up. <laughs> our, our, our slogan, I don't want, you know, it's not like a, a slogan. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's fuel your passion. And the one thing that I have gotten out of the sport that really truly helped me before starting a business um, and, and none of that is connecting with your passion every day in ways that go beyond simply going on a run. So mm-hmm. if you can make it a part of your identity, part of who you are, are as a person that just goes so far in enjoying the training and staying motivated if if that's something that you're you know looking for help with having it actually be a piece of who you are is just absolutely huge so finding ways to connect with the sport outside of just lacing up your shoes and going outside is huge Um, and so that's honestly that's a part of what manifested into the business is fuel your passion and find ways that you can continue to evolve your love of the sport in addition to training for stuff. So uh, that uh, that's going to be my recommendation. I love it. Fuel your passion. I love that. It's, it's And we did not plan this folks. I was uh, on the spot here, which is great, but I love that. It's like the tagline for the company because it's, it's again, aligns with the company's ethos, your ethos. And, and I think it encapsulates everything we kind of talked about on this podcast, man. So man, that is so, so awesome. So Tom, uh, shout out to you. Shout out to long run coffee. Thank you again for coming on the podcast here, man. Uh, super, super cool. And, uh, I can't wait to be drinking, uh, more of your coffee as, uh, I head out on my last three big weeks of training in my next race is going to be awesome dude thank you so much for having me this was this was super fun i I had a great time and and good luck with whatever race is coming up next year oh thank you it's going to be uh it's going to be fueled by long run coffee so uh yeah canyon's 100k training sponsored by uh long run coffee (laughs) (laughs) i've always wanted that sponsored athlete life now you, you got it there you go i love it well thanks so much tom i appreciate you man all right yeah thanks for having me Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So it's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. 
And if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I've tried either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. And there's tons of podcasts out there. The fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day. And we'll see you real soon. Take care.